when you have that person right then and there when they're shopping for that item and you answer their question right then and there you got them our technology is truly the only technology in the world that saves anywhere from 50 to 90 percent of the water our technology creates a singular source in a very dynamic and transparent world I'm Richard Gerhardt. And I'm Elizabeth Gerhardt. Stay tuned. The rest of the show is just fantastic. Want to patent your invention? The chance is near. You've given it heart. Now get it in gear. It's Passage to Profit with Richard and Elizabeth Gearhart. I'm Richard Gearhart, an intellectual property lawyer specializing in patents, trademarks, and copyrights. And I'm Elizabeth Gearhart, not an attorney, but <laughs> I do the marketing for Gearhart Law and I have my own startup fireside directory. Welcome to Passage to Profit, the show that's all about small businesses, innovation, and the intellectual property that helps them flourish. And tonight we're going to be talking about increasing profits with better customer communications and helping us in that discussion is Eric Cades, and he's going to be talking about how text chatting can help you be more effective in your business. And then we have two incredible presenters, and this is really innovative stuff. Janice Gould with Responsive Drip Irrigation, and I'm just going to put her tagline out there, the most important advance in irrigation since the 1960s. Wow. Wow. So we are all about innovation, right? And then we have Joe Balsamo, full disclosure, Gearheart Law client. We love what Joe's doing. If you have ever lived in a controlled community that you have to pay money every month or every quarter to, and you don't know what's going on with it, Joe has this incredible new platform, I think is what we would call it for these communities that I wish we'd had when we lived in one years ago, quite honestly, it's way overdue. So another incredible innovation. So stay tuned. But before we get to our distinguished guests this evening, we're going to have a new segment laughing time, Elizabeth felt compelled to tell a joke at the beginning of the show. So we're going to listen everybody up. Okay. So this is a professional comedy, folks. Don't try it at home. (laughs) And so so we're ready for the joke. Okay. This came from Roomba 100 in Florida. It's an iHeart station. And I thought this was hilarious. So this criminal was in court in the courthouse and he got let go on bail. And he was arrested shortly thereafter in the parking lot of the courthouse, stealing from cars. Right. So, (laughs) yeah, when they arrested him, they found him with like four packs of cigarettes and about 500 bucks. And he was just sitting in the car. Right. So he was out on bail. He got arrested again. He went back in. And guess what happened? He got let out on bail again. (laughs) (laughs) So I am going to Rosanna, Rosanna Dana this for any of you who remember her. If you don't go to YouTube. She takes something completely unrelated to whatever the show's about and works her way around to relate it back. So I'm going to say we're all about innovation. So innovators don't keep doing the same thing over and over and over again, expecting a new result. <laughs> so. I, I agree. If you look at the guy's picture, too, on the, uh, like, the how they he, he was he has this really vacant look on his face. How could they let him out on bond twice? <laughs> after I don't know. But the it's. Same day. it's like, so now on to IP in the news and another type of theft, perhaps. It is. Um, we have Google using technology from another company. This company took Google to court with their patents and they won a verdict of $20 million. The name of the company was Ecofactor. And basically Google's Nest technology was interfering with their patents. And we found this at Reuters. It's an article by Blake Britton, just to give full disclosure, give credit where credit is due. But basically, Google just said, well, we want to take this energy efficient technology that this company developed and use it for Nest. And, you know, too bad for them. We're Google. We're going to do it. Yeah. And I think the money quote from this article, though, that I really love, the attorney's name was Reza Mirazi. And I don't know Reza, but what he said, I think nailed it. He said, the only place in the world that a small but innovative company like Ecofactor is on equal footing with Google is inside a courtroom in front of a jury. So I really like that because at least with intellectual property, you have a tool to fight large companies that are much bigger. And that's what the IP system is supposed to be about. So it's time for Richard's Roundtable. I'd like to ask our distinguished guests if you have any thoughts about either story or any questions about intellectual property in general. Let's start with Eric. Eric, what are your thoughts? I always love hearing 
a David versus Goliath story when David wins. So <laughs> it's nice to hear, you know, we're a small business and these companies that have unlimited funds have teams of people that are filing patents every day that make it that much harder for small businesses. So it's a welcome win and it's you know great to hear. And thanks for bringing that up. Yeah, no, I couldn't agree more. Do you have any comments on that, Janice? I like to hear the same stories as well, the David against Goliath. Our company experienced a very similar a situation about 2015, 2016. And hmm. we were tied up in litigation for almost five years with three major corporations, multi-million dollar corporations. So it's unfortunate. I think patents are so important with what you do, Richard, because small companies, they are the innovators. They come up with new ideas. You know, they problem solve. They try to find solutions. And if they don't have that protection, then large companies will just come in and do workarounds or just take the technology. And a small business doesn't have a protection without the patents. Very well said. And we appreciate you bringing your personal experience into this. Joe? Well, I, I too, Richard, very much appreciate you bringing that to the forefront today. As you know, when I first came to you several years ago, I had an idea. And while I had simply an idea, I thought that bringing the idea to the front of what I was doing would immediately put me in a position of having my idea taken, stolen, and misused. So that was the initial premise for why we started to do a patent. And now ultimately, just a few years later, I've been awarded a patent. Yep. And while we're rolling out my product, I have three additional patents now pending and hope to basically make a difference in the community and society as a whole. So I certainly don't want to have any of my ideas or my innovations taken from me, misused and misappropriated because I wasn't properly protected. That's great, Joe. And yeah, Excellent. we just saw the notice of allowance not too long ago. So congratulations Yay. on that. And that's uh, exciting for all of us. You join a very elite group people <laughs> because there are very few people that actually are patent owners. That's true. Kenya? I was just going to ask you, Richard, how hard or how easy is it to prove if someone's actually taken or stolen a patent? It usually requires a lot of work to show that. So you have to show the claims of the patent. And that's the part of the patent that is sort of the verbal fence around the technology. You have to show that the elements of those claims are being met by the infringer, which basically means you have to match up the patent to the technology that the misappropriator is using. That can be difficult. It can be hard. It just depends on the technology. And so usually there's a process in the courts called discovery and each party is required to turn over documents. And then lots of times those documents help prove infringement or not. So Except when you go before a jury, I think your odds are better because they see themselves in you. And so you really do get a fair shake, hopefully most of the time when you go before a jury. That's why I like that quote, because he said, you know, you can go through all the machinations, but when the rubber hits the road, it's really standing before a jury and let Letting normal people decide what's fair and what's not fair. So it's now time to take a brief commercial break. We'll be right back and we'll have Eric Cades with us and we're going to be talking about text chatting. So we'll be right back after this. There's never been a better time to start your own business. The opportunities are infinite and only limited by your imagination and enthusiasm. At Gearheart Law, we believe the most successful companies all have one thing in common. They start with a solid foundation first. Gearheart Law has years of experience protecting entrepreneurs, ideas, and brands using patent, trademark, and copyright protection. So if you have a new consumer product, a new software application that you're planning to build or sell, or a brand or company name that you want to protect, contact the experts at www.gearheartlaw.com. Our professionals will create a custom strategy designed to fit your needs and your budget. All of our attorneys are passionate about protection, licensed, and qualified to represent you before the United States Patent and Trademark Office. Don't start your project without calling us first. Visit GearHeartLaw.com. Together, we can change the world. Visit G-E-A-R-H-A-R-T-L-A-W.com. This ad has been read by a non-attorney spokesperson. Now back to Passage to Profit. Once again, Richard and Elizabeth Gearhart. Time for our guest this evening, Eric Cades, the founder of TextChat.com. He's an expert in text chatting, and we're happy to have him with us. So welcome to the show, Eric. Thanks for having me. I'm super excited to be here. For those who may not be familiar with 
text chat. Can you tell us a little bit about what it is, what it does, and your role in that? Sure. I've been in the contact center business for 20 plus years, of course, started out just answering the phones and outbound sales calls. And of course, we all know how powerful text messaging is today. And that's what we do more than talk on the phone. And about 10 years ago, there was something, a new technology that started to come out maybe 12 years ago called live chat. So you go to a website, you've all probably seen it where a little button pops up and says, hey, how can I help you? So we were really early in that game and we went to our voice clients and said, hey, you're spending all this money now to bring people to your website. Why don't you have a way to communicate with your website visitors instantly. So we did that. And lo and behold, to this day, a decade later, it's their number one converting lead source compared to any other way that someone contacts the business. And why is that? Because if someone fills out a form and you try and get them back on the phone, the chances of actually getting that person back on the phone, believe it or not, this is a study that was done at MIT, where the chances of contacting an internet lead drop by a hundred times from five minutes to 30 minutes. So live chat was under the premise of they're there at that moment, you know, make it easy to communicate with those people. So after seeing the results of it, we built a business around it. I have another company called JetSpring, which is a service agency where we have dozens of clients, some in the Fortune 1000, where we have agents round the clock, you know, answering live chats and if people text into the company. But even though we're doing this for large companies and had a lot of employees, we didn't get a lot of traffic on our website and we were struggling with our own live chat. And why is that? It's because prospective clients would come in and ask these really difficult questions that our agents weren't that highly trained on. They're highly trained on our customers' businesses. But when someone came from a university of Michigan and, and asked a difficult question, they would usually get an answer like, well, that's a great question. Let me take your information and someone will get back to you. And that reflected poorly on our business. So building a contact center company and a technology company, I was trying to solve this problem where our sales team could answer these live chats easily and then not have to go to the big contact center where these agents are working on other clients. And I had this aha moment a couple of years ago during COVID actually, and this helped save a lot of businesses, a lot of retail businesses during COVID of how about if we send a text message to our sales team when someone wants to live chat on the website and then allow them to respond via text message to the person on the website. And we did that. We built it for ourselves. We started closing deals. We started giving it to friends and family. They started closing deals. And really text chat was born over the last couple wow. of years. Well, wow, that is something your heart law should be using. <laughs> <laughs> well, ahead, just real quick, though, I think our experience validates the MIT study, which said that the sooner you get back to a lead, an internet potential client, the more likelihood is you're going to engage them and start a conversation. Because if that person wants to talk now, and if they can't get you, they're just going to go to the next person on the list and they're going to contact them and they're just going to keep going until they get somebody who picks up the phone or whatever. And there's another statistic that 80% of consumers buy from the first business they talk to. Wow. Right. Wow. And, well, I was at a networking thing and they did these questions to the people at the thing and they said, what is the most important thing about choosing a business to work with? And everyone said, answer the phone. <laughs> That's right. The phone. And no one does it. Right. <laughs> and they make it impossible to even get to talk to them on the phone. But one thing I want to say about your text chat on the website too, and this is something you kind of said it, but not as explicitly as I'm going to say this, it does keep people on your website longer. And when people stay on your website longer, Google notices that and it helps with your SEO rankings. So that's another, and video does the same thing, but that's another really important thing is like trying to keep people on your website. So your bounce rate if, for people who know about website bounce rates is lower, right? Yeah. And actually I just heard recently as part of the Google algorithm when you're a local business, they're checking whether you actually answer the phone and your ranking will go down if you're not answering the phone. How do they do that? Good. They're Lord. Google. <laughs> do they have like a connection? To well, you know how company, like or? you kind of, 
Well, you put, if you're on an Android, they can certainly know whether you connect or not. And some of it's people that buy the Google voice leads and things like that, but they have some algorithm where they can tell whether you're picking up your phone or not. But ultimately that's a good thing for the consumer, right? Because it is absolutely. We had a live receptionist for years. And then when COVID came in, we went to an answering service. And I can't tell you, that's just not not a great solution. You may save a few bucks with an answering service, but having a live person who can say, oh, he's on the phone right now. I'll have him call you right back is worth its weight in gold. Right. I wanted to ask Eric one thing. I find dealing with even people that answer the phone sometimes or phone trees or some of these chat bots and all this stuff rather annoying quite often, but you've done some things that make yours much less annoying, right? Well, it's funny when we started to build our technology company, I was all excited about AI and I was like, oh my God, these chatbot things are going to put our live agents out of business. We better get into this. But what I found was the technology, in my opinion, is not really ready for prime time. And we've interviewed over a thousand people and asked them, do they prefer speaking to a chat bot or a live person? And over 80% came back and said they would rather speak to a live person. So this like changed my whole mind. I went, I, I dove in headfirst to build this AI chatbot platform and quickly realized that's not the best answer for people. The best answer is to use technology in creative ways to get human beings talking to each other. So we have this chat back technology as part of our text chat platform, where if you're a small business, you might not be in front of your computer. You might not be able to answer that text message. You could be a one person business at the exact time persons on the website, but our chat back technology makes it convenient for both the consumer and the business owner to get back in touch with each other. So let's say no one's there to answer. What we tell the person is, sorry, no one's available right now, but if you give us a way to contact you, we will notify you when we answer your question. So we either notify you through an SMS or we text message to not be so technical, or we notify you through email with a link. So business owner comes in, sees you have a question, you know, do you handle trademarks related to your business? We and do. Of, cor- of course you do, <laughs> but you weren't able to pick up that chat right when that person asked the question. Now you go back in, you answer the question, the person gets notified that you answered. And if they click on the link, you can both be back in a conversation at the same time you're both available. So to answer your question, Elizabeth, I changed our focus into how can we use technology to save people time and get them talking as opposed to using technology to try and cut costs and keep humans out of the conversation. Wow, that's an amazing philosophy. I love it because I really do think that business, regardless of automation, is still based on human relationships, right? Kenya? I was just curious if you had any plans for any social media interface for the platform because Instagram is like, you know, it's a whole marketplace now. And a lot of the Instagram pages are really like people's websites. Yeah, actually, we have that in beta that we're integrated into Facebook Messenger and Instagram. So who are your customers mostly? They run the gamut, everything from law firms to gyms to e-commerce stores, anyone that is trying to bring people to their website and wants to capture that lead when that person's on their website and give them another way to communicate with you. And frankly, people don't want to call because they're going to get the IVR and the phone tree And when you call, you're tied to that phone call. You can't do anything else. When you chat, you can do something else. And when you're waiting for an answer, you're not tied just sitting there waiting. So any business that wants to communicate with their customers is a good prospect. So I just want to point out, though, that in our kids' generation, I guess Lindsay's a Gen X, she will do anything to avoid calling somebody. (laughs) So if it comes down to like buying a pizza, if they don't have an online way to do it, she won't call a pizza parlor. She'll only do it online. I I guess the way of the future, you know, they're the next generation. So, you know, businesses need to adapt to that or they're going to go by the wayside of the buggy whip, you know, eventually. (laughs) No point is to have, you know, both options available. So all the channels you can, the more channels you have, the better off you are different ways to 
captured different people who want to communicate differently. So Eric, you've pushed this to the next level with innovation. What do you see going forward? Like in five years, do you have any idea what this is going to look like? Do you have plans for more innovation? I do. And, you know, I was hoping, you know, this AI chatbot technology was a little further along than it is. Um, It would be great to replace humans. It would be a lot less expensive if we could just have chatbots do all our work for us. But that's not reality. But one of the things that I do see in the future is as we build up this data of conversations that our clients are having, then we can kind of automatically, and again, five to 10 years away, we can automatically start building a knowledge base based on the regular conversations and then start to introduce some of that technology a little more intelligently because we have this history of all the questions that get asked over a period of time. Right. So you could program using AI to have it pick the right question and it would have, I think that's what you need is a huge database, right? So if you're recording all this now, well, it won't be easy to put into a program, but it'll be doable. Correct. Yeah. That's a, a very interesting piece. The topic of today's program is increasing profits with better customer communications. So do you feel these technologies really help improve the profitability of a business? They absolutely do. You know, I have data that proves it. I can give you an example. We work with a lot of higher education clients that we do live chat on their website. That's my JetSpring company that has agents 24 by seven, international students coming in that can't call on the phone and things like that at different times of the night. It's funny, I'm talking to our clients about this now. Inflation isn't skipping over digital ads. They're going (laughs) through the roof too, you know? And so using the old methodologies not only are your costs going up, but your return on investment is going down. And we show that when we speak with someone on their website and then track that through to enrollment, we enroll people through that communication 100 to 200% more than anything else they do in their business, which are the typical, you know, lead comes in maybe on a Saturday, someone calls them on a Monday, they try and get them back on the phone, no one's picking up the phone, maybe they text them, et cetera, et cetera. But when you have that person right then and there, when they're shopping for that item and you answer their question right then and there, you got them. Like I said earlier, over 80% of consumers buy from the first business they talk to. So it drives conversion through the roof when you communicate immediately. I'm trying to understand from the consumer's viewpoint what exactly this looks like. So let's say I go on the iHeart website, for instance, and I say, I'm interested in digital marketing. How much does it cost? What would the tech spot say back to me? It would say, sure, let me get someone who can help you with that. Again, our text chat product is built for smaller businesses. You know, iHeart's obviously not a small business, but if the smaller business was not available and say, we're really sorry, we're busy in the store right now. But if you leave us a question, we will notify you when someone answers your question. And then we give them an option of how they want to be notified to get their answer. Excellent. Well, this has been fascinating, Eric. I've learned a lot. I'm so happy that you're sharing this information with our audience. Where can people find out about your company? It's pretty easy. You just have to go to textchat.com. You know, it's all there. There's a 14-day free trial. It's very inexpensive. It starts at $20 a month. With this product, we wanted to give the power to small businesses, just like our big clients have in our service agency. Well, we appreciate that. And we'll be back with more Passage to Profit right after this. What are entrepreneurs' most valuable assets? Their passion and ideas. We can't protect your passion, but we can protect your ideas. Trust Gearheart Law to protect your ideas with premier patent, trademark, and copyright services. There's never been a better time to start your own business. Contact us at GearheartLaw.com. At Gearheart Law, we have years of experience protecting entrepreneurs' ideas and brands using patent, trademark, and copyright protection. So if you have a new consumer product, a new software application that you're planning to build or sell, or a brand or company name that you want to protect, Contact the experts at Gearheart Law, www.gearheartlaw.com. Don't let the wrong protection strategy ruin your business. All of our attorneys are passionate about protection and 
and are licensed and qualified to represent you before the United States Patent and Trademark Office. Don't start your project without calling us first. Contact Gearheart Law on the web at G-E-A-R-H-A-R-T-L-A-W.com. Together, we can change the world. This ad has been read by a non-attorney spokesperson. Passage to Profit continues with Richard and Elizabeth Gearhart. Now time for our special feature from our media maven at iHeart, Kenya Gibson. Who's up for Power Move? So for Power Move today, we're going to talk about Nick Cannon, creator of Wild and Out. It's an improv comedy platform that he started out on social media and then grew it to multi-platforms. And he sold the rights of use to it. And now it's a billion dollar platform. And he's actually expanding their brand with some sports bars that he's going to be opening up to kind of expand, you know, throughout the country and give people that in-person feeling of what goes on in the show at a restaurant. So I thought that was kind of cool and very clever and a lot of money. (laughs) Well, that, you know, that's really interesting. So he does improv groups on social media. Is that kind of the way it works? Well, that's how it started out, right? It's kind of like, it's a mix of music and improv. And he's helped a lot of famous comedians like launch their career. So it started off on uh, social media and then it grew to MTV. And then he actually was able to sell the rights of use and he made a lot of money. So now it's this, it's this billion dollar thing that he actually self-funded by the way, MTV wouldn't give him the money in the beginning to launch it and it was self-funded he started it grew an audience and the show's been around for a very 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 long time it's just now it's worth a billion dollars and now he's going to add on all these different experiential places so people can go hang out see that's what's going to happen with our new feature laughing time we're going to tell jokes and hopefully get in with this guy and (laughs) get billions of dollars i I can just it's a big thing people like to laugh So anyway, time for the Fireside Update, Elizabeth. Yeah, so for those of you who don't know, I have a startup called Fireside Directory, where I interview small business owners and put them on a directory, a video directory. And I'm kind of thinking of changing the focus. I was really hoping to scale it using AI for interviews, but a number of people I've talked to, including Eric, our guest, <laughs> says what the, what I need from AI is just not there yet. And it's not going to be there for five years or more. So a lot of people are doing their own videos now or doing videos with professionals. So I think I'm going to try to scale it that way. So it's ever evolving. There are pieces of it that I'm still going to have to interact with people for. But every time a problem comes up, I just have to find a new solution, right? That's what innovation is. So that's what I'm doing. It's the entrepreneur's journey. So we have Janice Gold and Boy, talk about innovation. The most important advance in irrigation since the 1960s, responsivedrip.com. Janice, tell us all about it. Well, thank you for asking. And I'm glad to be a part of the group today. I found it very interesting because listening to Eric earlier, I think it's so important. And just like yourself, Elizabeth, people that are innovators, you might start out with one idea that you think is really great. And then if you listen to people around you, you find out, There's other issues, other problems, and you're always working towards solutions. And I think that's what makes us better. So Eric's technology has evolved. Yours is evolving. And just like what they were talking about with the comedy, so that, you know, MTV didn't support it initially, but he found another way to do it. So I think that's the really fun part of being a small business and coming up with ideas. And if you can maintain communications with your customers That's the best way your business can evolve because you find out what issues they're dealing with and what their needs are. And that allows you to create new innovations and new solutions for them. So tell us about your irrigation system. The system is unique with what you just said. There has not been a lot of changes for half of a century in what's been going on with irrigation. And as the population grows, As we continue to exhaust resources with a growing population, we're finding that water is a huge concern. Food security issues are a huge concern. When transportation channels were disrupted, I mean, there are countries that import 90% of their food. So it really brought to the forefront during COVID and everything that was happening. The countries need to be able to be self-sustaining with 
food security, and to have access to clean drinking water. So as a result, our technology is truly the only technology in the world that saves anywhere from 50 to 90% of the water that is used in traditional irrigation. And as we've evolved, we've learned that the technology by adding innovations can also produce higher yields. So we are producing 150% more produce and crops So we're able to feed more people using half the water. The technology is very different. And that's probably the hardest part in launching a new technology because farmers and people have been doing it this way for 60 years. So now when you come in and you tell them we've got a new way to do it, people don't want to believe it. Typically, people say it's too good to be true. So all we have to do is put it in the ground and show it and then they can accept it. But because the technology was so radically different, we were originally going to sell the small IP portfolio to large companies that already had a distribution network in place. Mm. Instead of working with us to purchase that IP, they decided to create their own IP, realizing that it was such a game changer and why buy it from us if they could just make something very steal similar. <laughs> yes, steal it. Yeah, basically. Yes, steal it. <laughs> I didn't want to say that, but yes. And just quickly, I want to say, looking at what we read about you online, the microporous tube responds directly to root signals, releasing water and nutrients at a variable flow rate to precisely meet each plant's individual needs. That sounds I've, very technical. Ne- it is very technical. I've never heard of that before. It is incredibly innovative. What did you just say? It monitors the plant and sees what it needs and gives it exactly what it needs. So there's no waste. Oh, sort it's of really, like a mother. It's, yes. It, it's a nature driven <laughs> system. It's the only system that really, it works on organic chemistry. So mm-hmm. it works directly with plants. And the nice thing is if you are a small farmer in a remote region, say Africa, and you're just trying to support your family or you're a refugee in a village, You can plant on the same system, tomatoes, onions, forage grasses for livestock, and the system will irrigate each plant differently with what it needs because it's reacting to plant signals. Makes farming very easy, (laughs) takes the guesswork out. So how many different categories, I mean, how does it know? It's all based on chemistry and chemical bonds with water. So the plant roots, what they give off, have a stronger attraction to the water. Otherwise, our tube holds the water until the plants start pulling it out. I think Eric had a comment. It's game changing. I feel like I'm sitting here talking to Albert Einstein. (laughs) When did you create this? How did you create this? I have to say that I can't take credit for the initial idea and concept. My husband was friends with a chemistry professor in Canada. He originally had the idea and the concept And then we started working with him to develop it. It was our intent for the three of us and another friend of my husband and associate. We wanted to get it out to the world. I have a large family, a lot of kids, a lot of grandkids. My husband and I had started a previous successful medical business that we sold to an equity investment group after eight years. So we used the money from that to start developing this technology. So we did a lot of R&D. We had some agronomist engineers and we all worked together uh, for almost a decade to really take the product so it was commercially viable. And then now, unfortunately, uh, Professor Gesser has passed away a few years back and my husband passed away last year. So it is my mission to make sure that I finish what we started and we're getting there. Kenya, do you have a comment? I do. I kind of wanted to take a step back to how you found out that your patent had been taken. Like how far along were you in conversations with these potential partners? Well, I was pretty trusting in the beginning. <laughs> so <laughs> actually these these companies uh, visited and had consultants, engineers, uh, financial people uh, visit our company and we gave them thousands of documents and research studies to review for a period of almost two years five and six visits by different consultants and engineers. And then they came back with an offer that basically they wanted to test it for a year for 
small amount of money that they would have given to us, which was about a tenth of what I had already invested into the company. So it would not have made me whole. And then at the end of the year, they would let us know if they wanted to buy it or not. But if they didn't, anything that they learned through their research, they would be able to use, which basically <laughs> I would have given them rights to patent <laughs> around my technology to improve right. on it. So I, I didn't take their offer. And when I didn't take the offer, my husband and I talked and I said, you know, if big companies aren't seeing it, I just thought maybe they didn't see the value in it. I know it has value. Let's do it ourselves. So we set off on the journey to do manufacturing, you know, and to start looking at growing the business ourselves, an international corporation, which was not something we wanted to do. So that's how we started. But one of my employees who was always watching the trade shows and uh, reading the publications saw that two of the companies that had visited us just received the best innovation award at the irrigation association show. And he was reading about the technology and it was word for word, our tech. So we sent a nice letter, didn't want to litigate and said, get your product off the market, <laughs> pull your patent you know, application and, you know, go away. Well, they said, oh, we didn't take anything. This is our own idea. So that's how the litigation started. They tried to bury us with requests for documents and lots of inquiries, depositions. Uh, we submitted over 750,000 documents. They did not think that a small company had collected that much data, but we did. And wow. Jan, one of the things that you said, though, that I think would be valuable for our audience was the importance of documentation if you're working in a highly technical area like this? Not only your technical documentation, we saved, I mean, all our tests and records were on a server. Everything was backed up, colo. But in addition, we had a contact tracking base. It kept track of every email, communication, documents we had shared, even phone calls that they left messages about how revolutionary this technology was, which they later tried to say it wasn't. All of these were there, it was all in the court records. So documenting with a contact, you know, a CRM, and also keeping all of your records backed up, stored in a separate location, so that no one could say that we tampered with any of the documents. I mean, it was frozen in time, and all those electronic records went to the court. Yeah, it's amazing you prevailed because those big companies can hire pretty expensive lawyers who have a lot of tricks up their sleeves. They do try to trip you up on the documentation yeah. and the depositions and everything. Well, they had in-house counsel and then outside counsel. Like mm -hmm. I called them outhouse counsel. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> No, I mean, we're, we're, we're on your side with this. We represent entrepreneurs and occasionally we do have to go to court. We stand in your shoes in many cases and we understand that a lot of these corporations have open checkbooks. And so mm -hmm. you really kind of need to have, and obviously you were represented by excellent counsel to get this result, but you really have to be effective. Talk so. about David versus Goliath. You had like three Goliaths, right? <laughs> It was interesting. And then going international was very interesting and, and trying to serve, you know, under the Hague Convention regulations. One word of caution, I think I might say, and that is your counsel is very important, Richard, so that whoever you're working with, we actually got rid of our initial counsel when we first started this. It was a large firm, should have been able to give us good advice, but sometimes a small company gets lost yes. in these very large firms. So it was costing us a lot of money and maybe they needed Eric's technology, but they were responding. <laughs> so right. we ended up going with smaller practitioners that were, I mean, they really read all of our documents and were very involved in our case. And we had our two attorneys and two patent attorneys, and they went up against literally, I would say teams of 20 to 30 attorneys for each of these corporations. And we still prevailed. And that's just because... They were very good attorneys. I felt very confident in their abilities. That's we feel cool. like small firms give excellent service. <laughs> we feel like well, Gerhardt Law treats 
our clients like gold because to us, every client is gold. Right. It's difficult to generalize. I mean, there are excellent large firms out there. It does boil down to the individuals involved. And we're right. glad that and, you found somebody effective. And the so. ability, as you said at the very beginning, when we started, the ability to pivot if something isn't working. But unfortunately, we have to wrap up the segment. Janice, I'm just blown away, quite honestly. And I hope you change the world with this. If anyone would like to visit, you can check out our website. We've got lots of things going on, new projects. It's responsivedrip.com. And you can also go to the Abu Dhabi Investment Office to Instagram. But there's uh, videos on there and projects that we're doing around the world. So you can see what's happening. You can check out our videos on YouTube as well. Excellent. Well, thank you, Janice. All this talk about agriculture is making me hungry. (laughs) Of course. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Listeners, you are listening to Passage to Profit with Richard Elizabeth Gearhart. And we will be right back after this message. Hi, I'm Lisa Askley's Inventress, founder, CEO, and president of Inventing A to Z. I've been inventing products for over 38 years hundreds of products later, and dozens of patents. I help people develop products and put them on the market from concept to fruition. I bring them to some of the top shopping networks in the world, QVC, HSN, Evine Live, and retail stores. Have you ever said to yourself, someone should invent that thing? Well, I say, why not make it you? If you want to know how to develop a product from concept to fruition the right way, contact me, Lisa Askeles, the inventress. Go to inventingatoz.com, inventingatoz.com. Email me, lisa at inventingatoz.com. Treat yourself to a day chock full of networking, education, music, shopping, and fun. Go to my website, inventingatoz.com. Now back to Passage to Profit. Once again, Richard and Elizabeth Gearhart. And it is my pleasure to introduce Gearhart Law client, Joe Balsamo. Joe, you know, Richard and I lived in an HOA community, and he'll tell you what that is. We wrote a check every quarter, never knew where that money went or what was going on. And this problem Joe has solved related to that has been a nagging problem for decades. So welcome, Joe. (laughs) Tell us what you've done. Well, thank you. Thank you for having me today, uh, Richard and Elizabeth. Well, I've worked with Richard for a number of years on this initiative. I'm very happy that we've been awarded a patent for this technology. Um, But what we've actually developed was a one solution type of platform which gives not only the homeowner or the community, the board, the management company, all those involved, an opportunity to see what they're doing, but be part of the community in a way that's not really been available until now. For those of you that don't know what an HOA is, an HOA is a homeowners association. Today, everybody doesn't realize that one out of every two home starts today is an actually community living type of scenario or situation. And with that said, people may ask what Elizabeth asks. I have to pay a maintenance fee. I have to pay for things that go on about my community. And while I do that, where does my money go? And what is it being really utilized for? So all that made us develop this technology so that we could best use the technology in a way that creates a very transparent view for them. With that said, our technology has a lot of features that you'd want to know on a day-to-day basis. Did I pay my account? Do I have an open work order? What's going on in terms of the community and the community events? You know, what we've found is it's not necessarily going to a website and utilizing features, but using features that people really want to know about. But in addition to that, our technology was driven with the end user in mind which is what's a lot different. We set it up in a way that it was an encrypted environment, which essentially gives people the ability to not only to connect with themselves, but to connect with the community as a whole. Because as you've seen and you've heard from other presenters today, how do we best communicate today? A lot of people do in some form of technical way. They don't necessarily have the time to go knock on their neighbor's door and you know introduce themselves. But in our technology, you have the ability to put calendaring events, activities that may be going on about the community, access for the homeowner to get, let's say, a pool pass, or just simple things like how do I get into the building, um, how to request a statement for their account, you know, and my roof is leaking in the middle of the night, and who do I reach? 
This technology creates a singular source of reference that allows for those people to be involved in the intricacies of the day-to-day life, the day-to-day activities, what goes on about them in a very dynamic and transparent world. I love the idea. So Joe, how did you decide to target this market? Well, what we did was essentially is that I found myself in this industry by accident. Um, Quite frankly, I came to the area where I was. Oh, gosh, it was in the 90s. And, you know, at that point, what was a condominium? What was an HOA? What was that? And ultimately, I started doing this business or this type of work in a small part-time way. And now it's kind of developed into a full-blown business for me. And over the years, especially the last five to 10 years, it's been very hard to find a solution that was a singular solution where I can, for the most part, not only keep my records, but keep the client's records in a way that was pristine. Because unfortunately, in the world that we live in, data and data retention is paramount. And as in anything, there always tends to be some form of dispute. And to be able to have all the records that were presented earlier in some form of forum that could easily be you know, accessible so that everybody could get on the same page And the way that we look at it, you ultimately end up sharing one singular truth. So while we might have a difference of opinion, I designed this in a way so that ultimately it's auditable. And while it's auditable, you know, people can ultimately can agree to disagree. But when you audit it and you're all looking at the same circumstances and all the facts and they're in the same environment, you know, without a doubt, it creates one singular truth. So Joe, I just, I have to ask you, so we lived in our subdivision, <laughs> the people we bought the house from and the neighbors next door hated each other, like they had gotten into these wars. So the woman that we bought the house from got on the board of the HOA and specifically got them to pass rules that she knew the neighbor would be in violation of. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm assuming all of that would be transparent and people maybe could say, well, you know, I should be grandfathered and you pass this rule because you hate me, not because it matters. Oh boy. That subdivision was like Peyton place. That's like (laughs) fodder for laughing time for the next year. Well, And it's funny because that is one of the elements of our patented process is to resolve that because what we've built into the design is all forms of transparent voting and polling and resolutions so that the homeowner's not only aware that that went on, but they receive, let's say, a referendum almost, and they vote on these referendums and they're advised of these referendums. And most importantly, at any given time, the neighbor would be able to see, how did this come to be? Because there'd have to be minutes And there would have to be other information that would be in line to get that motivated forward. And somebody can seriously question it as it was taking place, as opposed to working from it from a different perspective. In that subdivision, everybody had to have the same mailbox. You had to go and you had a black mailbox and everybody had to buy like the same maker model. But the board was like on this huge power trip. And I think that's a great thing about your software. It's like, okay, we can tell this is just a power trip. And you know what? We're voters here, hopefully. So, you know, we're not going to let this fly. Bringing democracy to homeowners. That's really the reality because, you know, that's what some of these communities do turn into. It's their ego trips. But more importantly, you know, for you, where you have a community and a family, just to speak to what you had asked, Elizabeth, you know, part of our design was because we've been beta testing this as to what are the features that people really want. And unlike a lot of software in our design, you know, you and Richard might have different interests or different things that you want to be involved in. Our design is set up in it where you're not only you, but your children or your family members or people living within your residence can set up their own profile and have activities or access to activities based on calendaring, based on, let's say you have a clubhouse and you put all these things into the calendar and you can get your own text message and your own, let's say, communication or review these activities and gain access to the pool. I mean, even in our next element, you know, the pool pass 
would be in your app, in your phone, you'd show up at the pool and get access to the pool and the clubhouse and such as that. I think you're really on to something very important here. And it is community building. Yes. And so your website is neighborconnections.io. Is that correct? correct? It's www.neighborhoodconnections.io. We've actually been beta testing this for two years. We have a formed management company where we've done proof of concept. And now we are launching this technology for a national presence. Very exciting, Joe. Thanks for coming on the show. We'll be right back after this. There's never been a better time to start your own business. The opportunities are infinite and only limited by your imagination and enthusiasm. At Gearheart Law, we believe the most successful companies all have one thing in common. They start with a solid foundation first. Gearheart Law has years of experience protecting entrepreneurs' ideas and brands using patent, trademark, and copyright protection. So if you have a new consumer product, a new software application that you're planning to build or sell, or a brand or company name that you want to protect, contact the experts at www.gearheartlaw.com. Our professionals will create a custom strategy designed to fit your needs and your budget. All of our attorneys are passionate about protection, licensed, and qualified to represent you before the United States Patent and Trademark Office. Don't start your project without calling us first. Visit gearheartlaw.com. Together, we can change the world. Visit G-E-A-R-H-A-R-T-L-A-W.com. This ad has been read by a non attorney spokesperson. Now more with Richard and Elizabeth. Passage to Profit. If you've missed our incredible show today, talk about innovation. Wow, this is stuff of the future. And you can catch it on our podcast tomorrow on all the major podcast platforms. And the theme of the show tonight was about how you can increase your profits with better communication. And I think each of our guests touched on that. So who was on the show? Who was on the show? (laughs) We started with Eric Cades with Text Chat com really pushing the world of client communication forward and helping people land clients through immediate response. I just love chatting. <laughs> I know you do. And then Kenya Gibson from iHeartRadio did her power move. And if you need digital marketing or you need super creative ideas, Kenya's your person. Kenya Gibson with a P, Kenya Gibson at iHeartMedia.com. Then we went on to Janice Gould. And when she says the most important advance in irrigation since the 1960s, wow, I was really blown away. She's not kidding. Yes. Really awesome technology. So you can find what she's doing at responsivedrip.com. And I would encourage you to check it out. It's amazing. And then Gearheart Law Client, Joe Balsamo with neighborhoodconnections.io. He is transforming how homeowners associations operate, making them better for everybody involved in really helping build communities. I just really applaud you for this. It's not just the software. It's a community builder. It is. If you missed it, as I said, listen to the podcast because these people are amazing. Really an innovative show. Eric, did you have any final words for our audience before we leave? I think, listen to this, if you're an entrepreneur out there, to hear Janice and Joe and my stories and the journeys that we're on, you know, it is a journey. And it takes a long time and nothing is easy. You see, but what it takes to get to success, you have to continue to persist and eventually you will get where you want to go. Kenya, any final thoughts? Data is important. That's my main takeaway. From the I show. couldn't agree more. It's all about the data. Unfortunately, we have to sign off. So thank you everybody for joining us. Before we go, I'd like to thank our audience for listening and please come back next week for another Passage to Profit episode. Before we go, I'd like to thank everyone who makes Passage to Profit possible. I'd like to thank Elizabeth. She makes it possible. But not only that, our producer, Noah Fleischman, our program coordinator, Alicia Morrissey, our video editor, Chatterboss, and the whole iHeart team. This is Richard and Elizabeth Gerhart signing off for Passage to Profit on iHeart Radio, WOR 710, the voice of New York.